Uh, greetings, my name's Adam Draycott and you are watching the online ministry of St Augustine's Anglican Church in Varel. Uh, this service, uh, this ministry has been prepared for the 1st of August 2021 and our sentence of scripture comes from John chapter 6 verse 35. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst let us pray father of everlasting goodness our creator and guide be close to us and hear the prayers of all who praise you forgive our sins and restore us to life keep us safe in your love grant this we pray through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen.
as we come to the ministry of God's Word. Our Bible readings come from Isaiah 53, verses 7 to 12, Psalm 2, Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11, and Mark chapter 10, and you could read from verses 31 to 45. Mark chapter 10, verses 31 to 45, that's our preaching passage. Well, I trust you've read out loud God's word. Uh, let me pray. Loving Father, we thank you that we can gather, uh, albeit uh, online. We do pray that you'd be at work by your spirit, uh, teaching us and growing us in our faith so that we can follow you all the more and reflect the life of Jesus all the more and understand this important topic so that you're glorified. And we ask for your help in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this is talk number three in our series on godly leadership. Our first talk addressed uh, godly leadership that handles God's word. It cuts it straight. Our second talk uh, about godly leadership said it's just that. It's godly. It's godly in character and character uh, which exists in community. And now today we open up Mark chapter 10. And well might you ask, where are we headed today on this important topic? And remember, this is a topic for everybody. Firstly, because we're either leaders, we're serving in ministry, or secondly, because we're being served. And so it's right for whoever it is, whoever we are, uh, wherever we are, to be thinking about this topic biblically. Because we all need to get this right, I think. Uh, our key characters in this passage, Mark chapter 10, who are they? James, J John, and of course Jesus in the background are the disciples. And the topic of the conversation is death. Yay! Let's pick it up at verse 32. They are on their way up to Jerusalem. Jesus leading the way. Disciples are astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and he told them what was going to happen to him. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests, teachers of the law. They'll condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Uh, just prior to that, why are they so astonished and afraid? Because Jesus has just said, many who are first to be last and last first. And then he goes on to talk about his death. Jesus is going to die. So of course, <laughs> and their disciples are afraid and astonished. And out of their fear, uh, we get the follow-up question. Before you go, Jesus, before you die, look at verse 35. Then James and John, the son of Zebedee, or the sons of Zebedee rather, Remember the fishing cooperative business? Yep, they've come to Jesus. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Uh, now, that's very bold. Uh, Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Uh, the other disciples uh, were, are going to blow up. And it ends in verse 45. Uh, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served 
but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Of course, the implication for Christian leadership uh, should be plain to us as we've read through this passage. There shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, The question then is whether we know this to be true. Are we living it? Uh, what question you say? What, what should be obvious? Well, let me explain. Is my leadership marked by self-seeking? Or is my leadership marked by self-sacrifice? There is the key to godly leadership, number three. Serving, servanthood, self-sacrifice. We see selfish ambition in James and John in verse 35. Uh, maybe in the lead-up. Uh, to this moment. Maybe they've all they've heard Jesus say is first, first, first. They want the best seats. They want to be first. When Jesus brings in the kingdom with all its power, they want the prime seats. Maybe they think uh, that when the kingdom comes, there's going to be some kind of ungodly scramble for the chairs. You know, like musical chairs, a free-for-all. And so they get in first with an advanced reservation. Jesus, this is what we want you to do for us. And so James and John are definitely, they're go-getters, they're status seekers, they're achievers, they're winners, they're after recognition, maybe adulation, they're definitely ambitious. And these are all the hallmarks of worldly leadership. When Christian leaders want to be known, when Christian leaders want to be respected and admired, they want recognition. They want to be seen. They want the spotlight. That is James and John. But of course, we already know, we should already know that the way of the cross is incompatible with self-serving. Because it's Jesus that gives his life away. Jesus, uh, if you read Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 uh, and 8, I hope you did read it. But you, pause it now if you want to and look it up. But see Jesus there who doesn't count equality with God something to be grasped. Not a prize. It's not something to be selfishly enjoyed. No, this very same Jesus made himself nothing. Jesus made himself diddly squat. He took on the nature of a servant, made in human likeness, humbled himself and was obedient to death, even death on a cross. Did Jesus hang on to what was rightfully his? He's the son of God, remember. He is divine. All of that. Did Jesus get all entitled? All hung up about his rights? No. When God becomes man, that in and of itself, that is self-sacrifice. That God would condescend. How's that for a word? That God would condescend and become man. That is selfless. Uh, That is a great expression of humility. By the Creator God. Of course, this condescending uh, activity of God is only exceeded when God dies on a cross. 
the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus doesn't use his divinity to strut around like he's a rooster, top dog, any of that. He does not use his power to strut around on the stage of human history. No, Jesus, the God-man, comes to die. And again, not any kind of death, a criminal's death. And here is our leader. Here is a model of leadership. He chooses humanity. He chooses the cross. He chooses to pay our ransom. He chooses our interests over his own. He chooses derogation over adulation. He chooses to come last. So passionate is Jesus for the welfare of others and for the glory of God, of course. How's that for a model of leadership? Jesus then presents for us a choice that we do not want to have to face. Will we live for honour and glory and prestige and adulation? Or will we live for self-sacrifice? Are you willing to come last for the sake of others? Will we take up our cross? And follow him. Quite literally go the way of Jesus. Is it going to be self-serving? Or is it going to be sacrifice? At Acts 10, if you've got the outline, you can see it's power or service. Uh, worldly power, godly service. That's the choice. Jesus one day will have the highest seat in the kingdom. That is true. James and John, well, they want seats either side. And those seats, you know what else they're called? They're not just called seats, are they? They're called thrones. That's right. And if Jesus is numero uno, imagine being his number two. I mean, that's serious power right there. And this is what James and John are looking for. And again, talk about aspirational. Hey, Jesus, before you go and die, will you give us a leg up the ladder? Or sometimes the power hungry just want people kicked off the ladder altogether. When people hanker for power, they do what they want, when they like, to whomever they want. They even ask for whatever they want. They're not committed to the well-being of others. They want control and influence and to dominate. And they don't stop and listen. Uh, this kind of leadership, this worldly kind of leadership gives rise to bullying and controlling behaviour. The pulpit is all too easily turned into a throne from where power is used to control and coerce and even manipulate. But the way of the cross is incompatible with that kind of power hunger. Jesus gets his disciples together. Remember, 10 of them are indignant with the other two. Maybe it's because they got in before they had an opportunity and they all then get a lesson on leadership. The way of the world, Jesus is going to say, 
is to use power and position and to lord it over others. That's verse 42, isn't it? The way the world, that's the way the world rolls. The world uses power and position to lord it over others. To exercise authority over others for the sake of one who has authority. That's And then come those four words from the lips of Jesus. What follows? Words that have to change and shape us if we would be Christ-like leaders. What is Jesus about to say? Four words. What are they? Call them out. What are they? Not so with you. Dang. Why? Well, pick it up at verse 43. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. He's, he's just said that in verse 31. We don't roll the way the world does. True greatness is expressed in service. You want to be a great husband? A great father? You want to be a great pastor? Or a great youth group leader? Or a great parish counsellor? Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. It's that simple and it's that challenging. Kingdom leadership, you want to be great? Well, kingdom leadership looks like slavery. Be a slave then. Choose that path. Slave belongs to others. Who do I belong to? Who do you belong to? Well, I pray we belong to Jesus. We're his servants. We serve him above all else. And if I belong to Jesus, well, then I belong to his body, his people as well. Those then under the pastor's authority, because that's still such a thing, those under a pastor's authority are not there for him. He is to be there for them. Christian leadership then is about service and humility and example, not coercion. Christian leaders are called to be servants. If we're servants, it means that, you know, I'm not a CEO. I'm not a military general. I can't be. I'm not allowed to be because of those four words. What were the four words? For not so with you. Now we follow a king who came to serve. The one through whom all things were created did not come to sit on a throne. No, he came to carry a cross of shame, to bear the weight of others. So can you see the symbol of authentic leadership then? It's not white robes, people. The symbol of authentic leadership is not a clergy collar. It's not a purple shirt. Ministry success is not the perfectly crafted PR photo. It's not a big social media following. Ministry success is not... Oh, I've arrived because I'm a platform conference speaker. That is not ministry success. As Rico Tice has observed in his book, it's the towel of the Lord Jesus. Did I say towel? Yeah, I said towel. John 13. Our Lord Jesus, who washes his followers' feet, 
even as he draws near to his own death. Now, to the world, this kind of leadership looks weak and pathetic and ordinary. But in the eyes of the king who washes disciples' feet, it carries nobility. So here's an important implication. Are you ready? Here's an important implication. If that is what Jesus is like, then being an ordinary pastor is more than okay. Being an ordinary pastor is more than okay. Do we want our church leaders to serve like CEOs? Do you want to relate to your pastors like their CEOs? Chasing numbers. All about profits and cash flows. Do you want them to be results oriented? Or the military general. Do you want your pastor to be like a military general? Yes, sir. No, sir. Three bags full now. Get on the deck. Give me 10 push-ups right now. Firing cannons. Is that what you want your pastor to be? Do you want your... Do, do you want to relate to your pastor like he's a military general? Waiting for him to call the shots before you do anything? Hmm. No. You are sure you want your pastor to be an ordinary pastor? A shepherd? Sure, who's also a brother. The one who serves as Jesus serves. See, the call is not to be seen. But to serve. The call is not to be hungry for power, but to be hungry to serve. Here's the last heading. Security or suffering, which is it? James and John didn't know what they were asking Jesus in verse 38. You don't know what you're asking. Can you ask Jesus? Can you drink the cup I drink? Who knows what they think the cup is at that point. Maybe they think it's the big, the cup at, you know, the big banquet at the end, Maybe. And they say, yeah, sure we can, because they, of course, know what they're talking about. Not, but we know, we now know that the cup Jesus is to drink is the cup of suffering for his people. The cup he resolved to drink in Gethsemane. The cup he drank to its end at Calvary. He drank the cup and he did it for you. And so what Jesus promises gives us pause. Because he says, actually, yeah, you will drink the cup I drink. And we have to, again, we have to pause. It means that what Jesus is saying is that James and John will live out Christian leadership. They will suffer for the cause of their king. Acts chapter 12, verse 2, talks about James as the first apostolic martyr. John but we should know he suffers on the prison island Patmos, a long way from church family, uh, and he's had a life seeing co-workers executed and seeing church family persecuted. That's the cup they will drink. Oh yeah, they drank it for sure. Uh, see that in for both, in these examples, there's no quiet, undemanding life surrounded by possessions. There's no elevated, dignified status here. 
the Zebedee Fishing Cooperative might have offered that, but Jesus, he's, he's not offering that. The world seeks position to provide security. The world will talk about the pension, the super, superannuation, the house, the money in the bank. We work so hard so that we can control tomorrow, but the way of the cross, again, is incompatible with that kind of thinking. The way of the cross is self-sacrifice. The way of the cross is service. The way of the cross is suffering for the gospel. And they're all part of Christian leadership because this is Christ-like leadership. And so in verse 45 lies the power to live joyfully by a set of leadership values that are bewildering to the world. What does verse 45 say? For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Which means that when we lead by serving, we get to be like Jesus. Leading, serving, is a daily opportunity to be conformed into the likeness of Jesus. That's Romans 8, 28 and 29. And is there a beauty about this kind of leadership? Absolutely. Of course there is when we see someone genuinely, sincerely putting someone else's interests ahead of their own. And isn't this what makes Jesus attractive and beautiful? We follow the most powerful man in the universe. He used all that power to serve. And so we serve so as to be like Christ. We do it to please God. That's Romans 12.1. We offer ourselves. Uh, as a sacrifice. Uh, we serve him. We serve the gospel. Uh, I'm not doing it just for me. I hope that's true of you. If I'm doing it just for me, then I'm twisting Christian ministry into something that's self-serving, self-promoting, something that I can hang my identity on. If I'm serving and it's just for the cause of my church, church then, well, I risk being jaded, cynical and bitter because the church will let you down. That's true. But if we're serving Jesus, then we're never alone. He will never fail us. And so we'll be ready and we'll give it a crack. Serving Jesus. Serving Jesus or building our own empire, our own little nest. Pleasing God, serving Jesus or pleasing oneself and trying to please everyone else around you. Thankfully, we're not saved by following Jesus' example, but trusting in his sacrifice. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. That includes ministry leaders. And we need that. I need that. Too often we get it wrong. I get it wrong. We lead in ways that can be self-seeking, hungry for power, aiming for security, and becomes a hinge to our identity, and it's not okay. But when we do that, we can be sure there is forgiveness. And because we're forgiven, we can keep going and we can keep growing and we can keep leading God's sheep. We don't serve in order to get God's approval. We serve because we already have it. And it's knowing that we've been ransomed by Christ means we'll keep on enjoying getting to serve like Christ, becoming more like Christ, pleasing Christ, and even show more of Christ. James and John, they wanted to be first. Jesus sent him to the back of the line. And so must we stand 
at the back of the line. We must be last. That is Christian service and leadership. So go the way of the cross. Christian leadership is service. And when we serve, we get to be like Jesus. And that is awesome. Please spend some time praying in light of all that we've looked at today.